Go for it to another. Enjoy today. I appreciate it. Row the boat, RPO is the purest form of communism. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. Hey. What? Do you want to go to war, Malaki? I don't think there's anybody out there that with a clear conscience can say it in Nebraska, and especially Tom Osborne, that great man, doesn't deserve a national championship for this. At least a share. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Welcome back to the Simply the West podcast. You might have been wondering where we've been. We took a bye week, did some self-scouting, got right in the head and in the heart, and after a week off, we are back at it from our basements in Minnesota and Nebraska, respectively. Let me welcome in my co-host, Blake Molly. We were talking before we hit record, Balake. It feels like a long time since we've gotten together and talked about some Big Ten West football with just a few weeks left in the season all of a sudden. Well, pretty much everybody except for Nebraska, the two NUs in the Big Ten West are feeling good right now. I mean, that's basically how it's looking right now. Yeah, it's unfortunate for those two programs. Um, <laughs> talk about Northwestern. I don't even have them on our agenda uh, too much tonight, but you go from going to the Big Ten championship game to looking at hopefully only your second win against UMass this weekend. Um, I think it just goes to show the, the parity, not just in the Big Ten West, but in college football. And as we kind of look at the way this thing is shaken out, we expected it to be exciting. We expected there to be a lot of drama. Uh, but this is why sports are, are awesome and agonizing, right? You um, you might know big picture that that's the way things are going to unfold. But I guess you, me, or anybody who knows a lot more about this than we do said back in August or even early September that we were going to be sitting here uh, in the middle of November talking about Minnesota being just on the cusp of working its way into college football playoff consideration technically while Nebraska and you know Northwestern look completely inept I think a lot of people might have thought you were crazy Uh, so it's been interesting to see how it's shaken out and the a topic has to be Minnesota Minnesota freaking soda Uh, there are still in our 
rankings. The boat is being rowed, man. Um, I tell you what, it has been a lot of fun just as a college football fan and a recovering sports journalist in this market to see people get excited about college football the way they have here. It's really taken off. Um, we, we talk a lot and even joke at times about how Minnesota is really the 10th show in town here with it being a pro sports town. And, and to be clear, that's not going anywhere. Uh, a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon right now because the Gophers are doing well, but there remains a smaller, more devoted pocket of fans that the size of which pales in comparison to the Vikings who hosts my Denver Broncos this weekend, uh, which is why I've got the mini helmets uh, behind me here. A little new setup this week. The Timberwolves, the Wild, they call it the state of hockey. Uh, even college hockey here at times has been, been been bigger than college football. But at the end of the day, people want to follow a winner. And that's what P.J. Fleck has built in just three, less than three short seasons here in the Twin Cities. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of be around and watch. And, and what a game on Saturday. What a win against Penn State. Come out swinging, get up early, get punched in the mouth a little bit, respond, and, and hold off Sean Clifford and the gang at the end of that contest. Um, I was actually at a birthday party for one of my son's friends, and we were at a, a little Italian chain up here called Devani's. If you're ever up here, hit up Devani's. It's good kind of like Fazoli's-type Italian uh, fast food, if you will, maybe a step up from fast food. But anyway, uh, watching the game in their party room and, and just seeing that many Minnesotans with their lutefisk and and looking forward to ice fishing, the deer opener, uh, getting into college football like that, it was really a sight to behold. Uh, ugh. You just made me throw up trying lutefisk. It's basically gelat- gelatinized fish. I haven't tried it yet. I, I don't. I don't anticipate I ever will. Ugh, it's horrible. But I will say that I am eating crow this week. This is probably the most impressive X's and O's job that I've seen from a coach in a long time. Um, I think the number one job of a coach is to figure out for number one, be able to teach a scheme, keep it simple enough that your players can win. And number two, figure out how good your team is. So then you can adjust based off of mismatches and or how good your team actually is to minimize. Like we talked about how Northwestern likes to ugly it up. They have the, they have the tight splits. They'll, they won't, they know they're not going to be able to out, out, out athletic you. So they do all these different funky things to, to basically minimize the talent gap. TJ Fleck has done that. He essentially runs about four plays and really only three different series. He's got the stupid inside zone, inside zone, which is a read option. He has a little bit of pass options on top of that. And then a couple different pass plays, but it is run perfectly every time. Sometimes they stretch it. Sometimes they hit the slant route. And I mean, I'm not going to say, sit back here and say Tanner Morgan's going to be a first round draft pick, but he's just putting it on the money. And this is what happens when you have NFL talent at wide receiver, Ottman Bell, Tyler Johnson, Bateman. Uh, they're going to be in, in the NFL. That's how good those guys are. They're probably not as good as the wide receivers at, at Ohio State, 
But that's a pretty high bar, though. That's a high bar, but they're doing that. And then the amazing thing, I just looked at the statistics. They were outgained, yes, but not by much. Um, they had they, he was eighteen for twenty. Eighteen for twenty. That is insane. How yeah, how good that is right there. That's not the first performance he's had with that type of accuracy, too. I want to say it's the second or third off the top of my head where he's been well over 70% passing. No doubt. There were some tough throws. Tanner Morgan's one of the best stories in the country this year. Uh, Even going back to the preseason, he wasn't even slated to start. I think there was a time where most who follow the program closely thought Zach Anikstad had that job as the starter, well, and it was really hurt, his so to lose. For... And then he got hurt, so they ended up not having to make a choice. I guess it helps to be lucky and good. Uh, give them credit for recruiting, too. You saw that one-handed catch Tyler Johnson made oh, down on the sidelines. That's an NFL-type play right there. They have some ab- absolute dudes especially on offense and uh that always makes the execution a little better as well but this is this is the number one thing he protected his defense Mm -hmm. uh penn state only had the ball for 22 minutes and uh what is it minnesota had it for like 20 uh, 34 35 minutes or whatever it adds up to 60 plan that that time do my math uh, for me, but he protected, kept the ball away from him. So it was, I mean, they had big plays in the game, but they burned clock. They ran the ball over 40 times in this game and they didn't really have a ton of success. They actually only had 124 total yards on the ground, but it's those types of things still sticking to it, getting first downs, keeping the ball away and forcing them to be more aggressive than they need to be to win. And that's the reason why Penn State committed three turnovers in this game. Three interceptions, two by Antoine Winfield Jr., who is, uh, I don't know how he got stuck at Minnesota, but he should, I mean, he's, his dad is a Ohio State guy, but now he's at Minnesota and he's killing it. So, I mean, a great job by Minnesota. It's, I'm the Gophers, I'm eating crow today. And P.J. Fleck, he has impressed me with his ability to make the team better each and every game. Yeah, they've they've improved a lot since the start of the season. The non-con where they eked out three close wins against seemingly far inferior competition seems like a long time ago. You talked about Winfield. Yes, his dad, an Ohio State guy, but also a former Minnesota Vikings, so some family roots here. What a story, man. He was one of the players that was accused of sexual assault a couple years back, and his dad said he would not be part of the program anymore at one point. His name was cleared. He was exonerated. He had to choose whether to start fresh somewhere else or stick it out here. He's done that, and it's obviously worked out for him. Um, an absolute stud on the defensive side of the ball, and as a return man as well. He's one of those guys that you're scared about anytime back there. He's returned a couple punts for touchdowns this year as well. So the Gophers, number eight in the first, uh, now the second college football playoff poll that came out, uh, the committee put together. Since we last talked, uh, 
these polls have started coming out. So wanted to talk with you about the rankings a little bit. Minnesota right now, the only team in the West with what would seem like a realistic shot. And the only way they would get in there is by winning out and then probably beating Ohio State and Indianapolis. It's a long shot. I'm but actually I'm... thinking that if they beat Wisconsin and they beat Iowa, yeah, that and then they show well against Ohio State. They it could be one of those SEC. I mean, I know they the playoff committee would love to have two SEC schools, but it would show me because I know what they're looking at is hey, Penn State's really the only good team they've played this year. Maybe that's just lucky. But if they beat up on Wisconsin and Ohio and, and Iowa or or at least beat them. Those teams are quality defenses. Uh, we're not. You're not going to see a lot of defenses like that anywhere in the country. If you look at the people that are in front of um, Minnesota, you got Oklahoma, OU, um, and those, and then Auburn. I think are the one loss teams, or I can't remember all the ones that are ahead of them. But essentially, Oregon's got. Oh, and Utah. They don't, I don't think Auburn's ahead of them because I think Auburn's got two losses. So, uh, but Oregon's only lost to Auburn on a fluky play on the last second of the game. Um, Utah's got one loss, which has a bad loss, so that's kind of odd that they're still ahead of them. Um, and then Oklahoma, who has a bad loss to Kansas State, although Kansas State has looked really good. They just lost to Texas. So it doesn't look as good of a loss anymore. Um, and then, of course, Alabama, who is Alabama. But I don't see any way. I mean, some crazy stuff is going to have to happen for them to get in, honestly. But you so, really think they'd put a one-loss Minnesota team in over a one-loss Alabama team? Or even a one-loss Georgia team, depending how the SEC championship well, shakes out? I don't, think, I don't think they would do that uh, because they're going to look at the talent level. And, I mean, as well as, as Minnesota has played – their defensive talent is nowhere close to, or it, actually, the only people on on Minnesota that have a chance at making Alabama is probably the wide receivers, and even then, they wouldn't play much because of the trio that Alabama has. Yeah, they're so, they're definitely there's a wide gap between championship caliber and what Minnesota's doing in the Big Ten West right now. Well, that, but here's the thing, though. If you look at Minnesota's wins, if they were a one-loss team, they would have beaten Wisconsin and Iowa and Penn State. Those are three better wins than any of the wins Alabama, other than, L, than I mean, the LSU game. So, and Alabama would have to beat Auburn. Auburn in the Iron yeah, Bowl. they would have to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl, which is always good. Um, it's definitely a little more wide open than it's been. Um, I would love to see an LSU Georgia semifinal just as a having lived down in Georgia for a little while. I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, it's going to happen. Um, I mean, they're playing. If they if Georgia wins out, they'll they'll be in the they'll probably be in too, which is kind of crazy because they lost a really bad South Carolina team. Right. So but they're going to play in the in the SEC championship game. So assuming. It goes how we think it's going to go, which says, you know, if you've followed this show since its inception, it rarely does. Uh, but if if things kind of play out the way we think they will or could, if the uh, 
season ended today, you'd have Oregon and Minnesota in the Rose Bowl. I think that would be an awesome matchup. A great celebration to get to that traditional game for Minnesota. I don't even remember the last time the Gophers played for that. Uh, they're 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 rewriting a lot of history this season. Uh, a Rose Bowl finish would be fitting, and uh, kind of a some comparison, some contrasting of styles with Oregon. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, but we still got three weeks left in this thing, man. And this is when it really heats up and, and really gets to be enjoyable. You've got the Gophers at Iowa. So you come off that huge emotional high of rushing the field and your home field. Uh, the local columnists writing about how this is, you know, the best moment of college football they've ever covered here um, in decades. And you have to turn right around and go into the meat grinder that is Iowa City where the fans are right over you. It's a loud and hostile environment and play against that defense. Uh, which looked, in all things considered, could have looked a lot worse in that last-minute loss to Wisconsin. Uh, it was kind of a shame that game between the Badgers and Hawkeyes really got overshadowed maybe a little bit by the Minnesota-Penn State matchup, and probably rightfully so. Uh, but that was another top-20 matchup and a very entertaining game that Iowa almost came back and won. Um, so Iowa is is playing for a lot to try to finish its season strong. And uh, pretty boy Floyd, the Floyd of Rosedale on the line there in Iowa as well. Um, what do you see coming out of that matchup, especially, uh, you know, with Iowa in some senses reeling, but in others has to feel pretty good about how it held up against that very stout Wisconsin rushing attack? Well, yeah. And I mean, if you actually, I mean, add insult to injury about how much people are, I mean, an eight no team in a power five conference only getting st- stuck at number eight in the, in the final, in the CFP rankings add on insult to injury. They're also underdogs to Iowa. So nobody's that really believing in me. Nobody's believing in them. And I understand Iowa is, has a phenomenal defense. I mean, I don't know if it says more about these two different coaching staffs and how bullheaded they are. Or um, uh, or how good of a defense Iowa actually has, uh, because I mean, how many yards did Jonathan Taylor have last week? I think he had like two twenty-five, if I remember correctly. I'm looking it up right now. Sorry, if you had so Jonathan Taylor. Let's go to Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor had two hundred. 50 yards rushing, no touchdowns, averaged 8.1 yards per carry, carried the ball 31 times, and you were only had 21 points. You that There's something wrong with Wisconsin right now. That I mean, there's something wrong, or I was that good of a defense at keeping people out of the end zone. So I don't know which one it was. I, it was hard for me to tell because there was some questionable play going on both teams. And that's what's so frustrating about some of these. And I, and I understand. I'm, I see it on the, on the message boards for, for Iowa, for all these Iowa fans. They're like, Brian Ferentz has got to go. Ferentz has got to go. How, what's going to happen? And then they're also – but then they're, they're really close to Nebraska. And they say, well, if we kick him out, look what could happen to us. Look, it could be Nebraska. We could be like them. So, I mean, I understand that, but it's so frustrating because there was a lot of things that weren't that were wide open, that weren't attacked, 
Nate Stanley can look like an all-star one minute, and then the next minute look like he's a chicken with his head, running around with like a chicken with his head cut off. It's got to be the most frustrating game because it was a smash mouth. It was really well played at times. And then there was just these odd play calling. Like, what is going on? So, man, I I just wonder how good Iowa really was or how bad Wisconsin was this last, or at least from the play calling perspective. Now, I fully expect Wisconsin to come out and smash Nebraska because we've seen Nebraska unable to stop anything that has a life in the ground game. So, take my bias hat off. They're going to kick the crap out of Nebraska this week. Yeah, I don't think many people in Lincoln are looking forward to that one. We'll get to that in a second. That Wisconsin-Iowa game, kind of an elimination game in the division for all intents and purposes. Obviously, a lot could still happen. You get some tiebreaker scenarios, so on and so forth. We're not going to get into the minutia of that here. Um, but it really gives Wisconsin a leg up if it hopes to win the West, but it also has to hope uh, that the likes of Iowa can stand up and, and maybe knock Minnesota off its high horse this weekend. That one is at 3 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Iowa, three-point favorite. Again, surprised me. I would have probably put Minnesota as less, less than a touchdown favorite. I think that's going to be a pretty entertaining game. Uh, Wisconsin will play Nebraska at 11 a.m. That one's on BTN. Wisconsin, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite there. But first, Blake, don't look now, but the Lovey Bears are bull eligible. Illinois moves up to fourth in our power rankings after a stunning comeback win against Michigan State. Wisconsin's still at number two, Iowa at number three. But how about them Illini, Blake? I tell you what, the Lovey Bears, they're on a roll. They're bowl eligible now, so that's pretty amazing to, to see that. And, I mean, you know, you know, I don't. I think everybody probably saw it on the ticker, 28-3, and somebody's like, oh, yeah, Patriots, you know, Atlanta. Everybody still remembers that. And then the next thing you know, like, I actually turned it off because I was following it on. By the way, I'm starting to hit a hot streak. I'm, I only missed one game, and I played all the Big Ten games last and week. your picks. Well, good for you. Yeah, I only missed one game. So, um you had to regress to the mean at some point, or maybe progress to the mean in this case. <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been that would have been more like like what I I needed to do. And um, but I was paying attention. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did they lay this big of an egg? And then I looked. Next thing I know, they won. I'm like, what happened? So I had to go back and watch the game. They just keep fighting. And Matter Bebe is an amazing wide receiver. They have good athletes. They have some some dudes. They do. And when they execute, but they fight all the time. They play hard. Eventually, when they execute, they have they can play with a lot of teams. And I don't think anybody's talking about Lovey losing his job anytime soon now, too. Oh, that's why we're going to sell those Lovey Bear shirts that we made. <laughs> There was a fantastic video floating around on Twitter of kind of the post-game melee on the field. And Whitman, the Illinois athletic director, literally walked up to Lovey Smith and picked him up in a good old-fashioned bear, or Lovey Bear in this case, hug. Um, that was cool to see, you know. Um, they've been a great story all season. That win, you had the, the win over Wisconsin. 
they're a bunch of dogs, and it just goes to show that you just have to take every single team seriously in this conference, in this division. I think if there's one thing that every team has learned this year, it is that. So congrats to Illinois, any Illini fans listening. Uh, we're definitely happy for you. I know I'm eating crow when it comes to the blue and orange, too, because I pretty much laughed them off at the beginning of the year. And uh, they're going to a, a bowl game and still have a few games to play to try to improve on that record. And don't look now, someone else is on a roll. Something called the Purdue Boilermakers. Coach Brom, talk about a team that fights if you want to look at a team, maybe besides Northwestern, that had every right to just pack it in and say, you know what, this isn't our year, it had to be Purdue. Losing your starting quarterback, your all-American caliber wide receiver, and getting steamrolled in a couple games. Uh, Purdue is, has come back and now has a couple straight wins, albeit over the teams that are at the bottom of this division, Nebraska and Northwestern. But look, that's why you play them, and we've got Purdue at fifth in our power rankings, and uh, the Boilermakers on a little bit of a hot streak here. Uh, still a couple wins away from bowl eligibility. Uh, but again, another example of every week can't take anybody lightly. Well, and yeah, they're going to get they're going to get a Rondale Moore back for the rest of the season, hopefully, as long as they're um, as long as he stays healthy. And I mean, anytime Rondell Moore's on the field, he, he can take it to the house and, you know, Brom, they had to win out basically from the Nebraska game on. They keep doing that and they're bull eligible. You know, that's something that that's, that's a salvageable season and it looks good for recruiting and he's a good recruiter. So, that he keeps doing this. I, I I say give him one, maybe two more cycles of recruiting, and Purdue could be kind of like a Texas Tech when they were humming with Mike Leach. That's a scary thought, at least for Nebraska fans of our generation. Illinois and Purdue both have buys this week, so they will get a chance to hopefully get a little healthier and prepare for their final couple games of the season. The Cornhuskers of Nebraska coming off of by themselves host Wisconsin and Lincoln at 11 on Big Ten Network. The theme out of Lincoln this week, Blake, has been let it rip. Maybe if you're looking for positives, the idea that all the expectations Everything that this season was supposed to be is basically off the table. Your best bet, and it's a long shot, is to win two of three against Wisconsin, Maryland, and Iowa just to get to a bowl game. But if there's any common thread between the way this team has performed, whether it's the untimely penalties or silly turnovers or just not being able to finish games or coming out flat in the third quarter or Adrian Martinez taking considerable steps back if you can point to one thing, and it's really hard, there's a lot of layers to this, but it just seems like a program and leaders who feel the weight of the expectations of the culture of an entire state, the collective psyche of one and a half million people bearing down on Adrian Martinez every time he gets out of bed. Scott Frost told the Lincoln Journal star that he's been having trouble sleeping at night. I feel bad for the guy. Um, we've all been in jobs that keep us up at night and cause like literal anxiety, uh, but I can't imagine the stress that he's under right now. 
And if you're looking for any semblance of hope going into these final three weeks, maybe it's the fact that, you know what, we've got three more weeks to play this game. As fans, we've got three more chances to watch this team. And there's really nothing to lose because it's already been lost. <laughs> That's quite fatalistic. There's, I mean, there's things that Nebraska can build on. I mean, it's pretty obvious things that they can do. Nebraska does have a good, big defensive front. We talked about this in the Minnesota game. It all comes down to the linebackers. If they had, and I, I have a sneaking suspicion that you're going to see probably a, a four-three a little bit in in this game. Maybe a few more big guys out there on the D line to hopefully take on more of the blocking from those big Wisconsin offensive linemen. And then you might see three and then you might see three essentially inside linebackers out there on the field to to plug those holes and just for and just force Cone to beat them. And and I know that's easier said than done. There is a chance that Nebraska can win this game, basically because we have we have some good athletes. It's all been mental at this point for the most part, other than the offensive line. The offensive line is small. It's not big enough. It's not talented enough yet. Because and and I will say that the reason why number one reason why Adrian Martinez does not look as good is because the offensive line isn't as good as the year before, which is saying something because that offensive line was not that great. So, Adrian Martinez, I watched him in person. I've seen Noah Vedrill in person, I, and I've seen those other guys in person. I would love to see them run the same offense with Adrian Martinez as they do Noah and McCaffrey because it's not the same. But here's the thing. Is Adrian healthy enough to do it? Because that's really been the big issue is that I don't think he's been willing to run because he hasn't been healthy enough to. Now, if he's able to do that, if they run the same offense, it could look way more dangerous. But that's also easier said than done because that Wisconsin defense is lights out. Although there are some tendencies that they were leaving some wide open spots that Stanley did not take. So we'll see. But hopefully it'll be a lot more competitive. I'm not holding my breath though. Those the linebackers have not been filling gaps. They're gonna go. They're gonna do the stretch right, stretch left. It's gonna look. I mean, look look for it to look like the game that Melvin Gordon went for 450 yards or whatever it was. Yeah, I think unfortunately, if you're a Husker fan, you're right. And um, talk about that linebacker play. They're they're getting some of the lowest grades from places like Pro Football Focus. Uh, and our, the problem, our senior captain Mohammed yeah. Barry. Yeah, is rated as the 46th descent defender out of 60 possible defenders that have played for Nebraska this year. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and um, the tough part about it is right now you're only a couple recruiting classes in, and the first recruiting class under Scott Frost, there's been so much attrition, uh, you know, via the transfer portal. Uh, the four-game redshirt rule has kind of reared its ugly head, so you're really operating with basically one full class at this point. Um, still a lot of football left to be played this year. 
but maybe Husker fans can also take some solace in the jump that Minnesota made from year two to year three, another recruiting class, another chance. And I think this is the biggest thing that's helping Minnesota right now and working against Nebraska. And that is what you talked about. It's all mental and it's culture. And you can't really establish the culture you want, whether it's in your business or your football team that you're coaching or whatever else, until you have a lot of the right people um, who align with that culture. You hear about the term bought in all the time. That's very overused. I'm not going to use that here. But there needs to be alignment, and everybody needs to be pulling in the same direction. And uh, Nebraska hasn't had that yet. And I think a lot of people thought they'd have more of that at this point in the game. Uh, there's an article on ESPN.com right now, uh, basically quoting Tom Osborne, other former Huskers, saying, kind of voicing Husker fans' worst fears. Scott Frost has to be the guy because if he can't do it, nobody can. We've talked about that on here. I think we've both been saying that for a while since he was hired, and, and that's the long and the short of it. I, for one, still believe he can get it done. I think he will get it done. Um we're going to have to be patient. Husker fans are going to have to be patient. And I have to think that going into next year, not to look too far ahead, it may behoove Nebraska to not have these giant expectations heaped upon them, to have a group of kids, more kids who are, who are there because they want to play for Nebraska. They want to be part of, of something so unique in a place that let's face it, there's a lot more attractive places to go to college. There just are. Um, but a place that loves its football and cares about its football so much. And I don't think I'll ever forget walking out of TCF bank stadium a few weeks ago when Minnesota absolutely clobbered Nebraska. And even then thinking that Minnesota doesn't have an infinite amount of talent compared to Nebraska, but they played their tails off and they were ready to play in that game and they wanted to win that game and they wanted to beat Nebraska. And I look at the resources and tradition that Minnesota has compared to Nebraska and I can't help but think that sometimes if you you don't hand 18 to 20 year two year old kids everything, all the Adidas gear, the training table, the insanely nice facilities, Minnesota doesn't have that. They, they just built a new facility not too long ago, but traditionally they just haven't had that. Those kids at Minnesota love playing football, bar none, and Nebraska needs more kids like that. Heck, some of the other teams in the conference that are struggling need more kids like that. Northwestern's going to find them every so often. They're going to go in cycles like this. Um, Purdue, same thing. They can go out and recruit. Iowa, Wisconsin, that's the formula. They find guys who are big, who are strong, who are going to put in the work to be developed, and by the time they're junior and seniors, can maul you on the offensive and defensive lines. And then they put a bunch of good skill players around them, and that's the formula for success. It can be done in Nebraska. I think Frost will get it done. It's just going to take longer than me, you, or any other Husker fan would probably like it to. Well, that and you're going to actually see that actually kind of comes into your story of the week, uh, talking about Garrett Nelson. Absolutely. Um, my story of the week, Garrett Nelson getting his black shirt. True freshman. That's either never happened or it's been a long time. Kid from Scott's Bluff, which for those of you who don't know, is out in the panhandle. You talk about the middle of bum, you know what, nowhere. That's literally where Garrett Nelson is from. There's just not a whole lot out there in hey, Scott's, Scott's Bluff. Scott's Bluff is awesome. I haven't spent a whole lot of time in Scott's Bluff. 
It's basically it's very like, isolated, though. It's desert. Yeah, yeah. De- out, yeah. Out in the boonies. But in any case, Garrett Nelson. Uh, I think I might have brought this up when I saw them play in Minnesota in person. That kid. You talk about a motor. That kid is is in fifth gear constantly. He didn't even play a whole lot in that game, but every time I saw him on the sidelines, he was walking around, huffing and puffing into every play, hanging on every play, in every defensive huddle. He he just that's what I'm talking about. He loves football, so he got his black shirt, which is something that's traditionally been reserved for the Nebraska starters. He and Damian Jackson both got black shirts, and they're both reserves. Damian Jackson barely plays, but he's really an emotional leader off the field. Former Navy SEAL and is kind of their spark in the weight room and off-season training and those sorts of things. So a great story for really for both those guys. But Garrett Nelson received that jersey, went and practiced in it, and then was interviewed after and was still emotional. Um on the verge of tears, if not crying, when talking about what that jersey means to him. And put your Husker bias, put my Husker bias aside for a moment, whether that happens at Nebraska or Wisconsin or Iowa or anywhere else, that's what it's all about. Somebody who's put in the work to to get to where they're at. Garrett Nelson is not the fastest, strongest, freakish athlete in the world. He's definitely got a lot of that in spades, but he wants it and he puts in the effort and he's been rewarded. And to see uh, what that meant to him was a special moment. Also speaking of Nebraska, you have uh, a good local beer that you're drinking tonight um, that we can uh, share a toast to before your story of the week. Yeah, this is a Brickway vanilla coffee stout. Uh, freaking amazing. This is probably one of my favorite beers, regardless of where, uh, like as a microbrew, any beer out there, highly, highly recommend anytime you're in, in Nebraska and Omaha. Stop by the Brickway or any high V, local high V, and you'll be able to get the Brickway, uh, Brickway beers. I got a nice little Explorer pack, or as uh, some friends like to call them, Exploder packs. And uh, I got to try a bunch of different types of beers from that Brickway Brewing Company. And ah, it's just so smooth. It's got that nice coffee smoothness and that vanilla bean flavor on top. It is phenomenal good time of year to start drinking stouts too i uh pulled the shovel out wednesday for the first time so that's been unfortunate i went back to the summit well this week summit brewing here in the twin cities st paul minnesota a former marketing client of mine but that's neither here nor there this is their extra citra pale ale uh citra hops are a very hoppy form of hop for lack of a better term um, so this is a really good bold IPA. Despite its hoppiness, it goes down pretty smooth as well. Um, it's become one of the more popular beers, at least here in the market, and I think throughout the Midwest during this sort of IPA revolution uh, that seems to be taking hold, at least among gentlemen our age. So uh, the Surly Extra Citra Pale Ale, a good one if you're an IPA fan. Well, and and speaking, and I know, like, Talking about Garrett Nelson, this kind of actually kind of leads into my story of the week. Because Garrett Nelson, some people might think, oh, it's an act because he's huffing and puffing on the sideline and he's trying to get jacked up all the time. This is no act. This guy is a crazy dude. He goes out like shirtless in five degree weather. Yeah, he's crazy. He had a mullet for most of like his high school and part of his freshman year. He he just has some of these crazy, crazy tendencies that he's always been that kind of guy. 
Same with PJ Fleck. He's always been this car salesman. This guy is a consummate. This is my story of the week because PJ Fleck is actually a great story of a man who's overcome a lot. He's maybe six foot, six one at the most. I don't even know if he's six foot, honestly. But... I've stood next to him, Blake. I'm 5'10", and I look him straight in the eye. So I'd be surprised if he's over six foot. He walked on to Northern Illinois, played all four years, and spent two years in the NFL bouncing around different practice squads. I don't care who you are. If you do that, you're good. But you're also an overachiever if you're only 5'10". He got, And then he went and was a – huh, what's that? And you're tough. You're tough as all get out if you can do that too. It's pretty yeah, remarkable. He maybe he might have been the he might have been this squirrely guy that's always you know talking guys his ears off and everything like that. But he went out and worked his butt off to get on that field to to play, and then he goes and and teaches sixth grade social studies. That's what he was doing for a while, and then he's got and then he worked his way up to become a GA at Ohio State in two thousand six. Then he went on to work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at one point. And then he got another coaching job as an opportunity to go work at Western Michigan. Took them from 0 and 11 to a, a losing season, and then a winning season, and another winning season. And then they had that 10 and 0 run, or 10 and 1, 11 and 1 run when they lost to Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl, I think it was. And I mean, and then he brings it to. Minnesota and people are saying well hey maybe this is what we need but you know he kind of rubs me the wrong way he sounds like a used car salesman he's he's just always you know whatever sky you ma means means nothing it's just what people from Minnesota say which they don't even say and uh, row the boat which he had that at Western Michigan so now he's bringing it to another place he had to actually fight Western Michigan to use that phrase he had to actually copyright it so that he could bring it wherever he would was. I mean, some crazy weird stuff. He went, you know, he's gone through a ton of things. And then to prove it, to not only be able to be this used car salesman in a good way, where he's saying, Hey, this car, I know it's not perfect, but it'll get you from A to B and it'll have this type of ride. By him being honest. And really believing in his players and being, I mean, this is my pitch. I'm putting my name in for Arkansas's coaching position. I'm going to tell them how good the players are, and I'm going to get them open based off of how good they are. We're going to see how complicated or how simple we need to get that scheme because that is the problem with some of these coaches out there is that they're not, they don't know how good they are, and they're not honest with themselves or their team about how good they are. PJ Fleck is honest with them. He says, "We might not be the mo- we might be the most talented team, but we're not going to we're going to act like we are not the most talented team." And because of that, it makes them dig down on the details and they win games. Now, they might lose to Wisconsin and Iowa, and I don't think there's any shame this year is a success based off of what's happened already this year. They beat Penn State who has a phenomenal defense and has a pretty good dang, dang good offense as well. I, I won't be surprised if they win out. I also won't be surprised if they lose, but it is a success. This is this. They said this couldn't happen at Minnesota. 
I've said really since Fleck was hired, he's exactly what that program needs. Uh, you don't have a ton of recent tradition until recently you haven't had the facilities to get 18 to 22 year old kids to come to one of the coldest metro areas in the United States and play college football for four years. You need something different. You need a, a key differentiator, as we talk about in the marketing world sometimes. P.J. Fleck is it. He came in. Uh, it was terrifying. You couldn't drive down a major highway without seeing him on a billboard the first season he was here. There were cutouts of him, cardboard cutouts and every high V. He really came in and, yeah, brought the whole roll the boat thing. Got, gosh, I sounded like a Minnesotan there. Row the boat thing and uh, got the Minnesota legal team on it right away uh, to get that copyright under the University of Minnesota's umbrella. And it 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 did rump, rub people the wrong way. It's still really easy to make fun of him. But what I always have to remind myself is, yeah, it's annoying and it's obnoxious, the, the sprinting up and down the sidelines and the constantly seeming to want to draw so much attention to himself. I was at that open practice they had before the beginning of the season and he literally had himself mic'd up so everybody who was at the practice could hear everything he was saying over the loudspeaker and you start to get to this point where you're like is this guy just insanely full of himself but I am not the target his team is and they rally around the guy because he believes in them and because he supports them and because he's so energetic and they can relate to him do I get it Absolutely not. Would it work at a place like Wisconsin or Iowa or Nebraska? I would argue it probably wouldn't because you have a culture in place that you need to fit in. And with Minnesota, he really needed to build it from the ground up, um, especially after kind of the tumultuous fallout with Jerry Kill and Tracy Clays and the rest. And to do it in the short time he has is a credit to him. It also shows that unlike in professional sports, you can turn things around pretty fast in major college football, relatively speaking. Um, you have to know your sailing. You have to know who you are. Um, maybe I'll end up eating crow on this, but big picture, I don't think Minnesota is going to do this every year. It's going to go in waves as you come up against more of the blue bloods and you have tougher schedules. Uh, there's going to continue to be parity, but it does show that in a relatively short amount of time, this is only your three under fleck. You can make a lot of hay. So good for them. It's been really exciting to see around here in the twin cities and uh, hopefully more to come more excitement over the final few weeks of the season here. That is going to do it for this week. Be sure to check us out as always on Facebook, on Twitter, follow along with Blake's picks on Facebook as he uh, was so <clears throat> modestly brought up uh, doing a little better in his picks now. So feel free to follow along, make your own picks and have some fun from uh, the legal, 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 of course, gambling standpoint of college football. Enjoy the games this Saturday, Blake. You are uh, going to be tuning in. We're, we've got kind of a full day of college football again on Saturday, starting I at 11 a.m. tune in with a brown bag over my head. Sounds good. Just make sure you have uh, plenty of mouth space in order to, to get the beer in from Brickway Brewing Company. I might just put an ivy in my arm. There you go. I might need that. Yeah, we'll see what happens 
Um, you'll at least be able to turn around after Nebraska, Wisconsin, and see what I think is going to be a great matchup between Iowa and Minnesota for the Floyd of Rosedale. We'll be tuned in. Hopefully you will be too, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Simply the West podcast. Simply the West.